Hey, I'm Jody Butts. Welcome to At Risk, brought to you by Interact. So much of getting the risk equation right is about staying focused on the correct things. Spotting the difference between a distraction and the beginnings of something important and surfing change rather than being drowned or exhausted by it. To unlock tips for how to do this well, we turn to acclaimed journalist, Canada Walk of Famer, Order of Canada recipient and fashion entrepreneur, Jeannie Becker. Jeannie has risen to the top of her field in an industry legendary for chewing and spitting out its members. In a sweeping conversation, we cover the secrets of style, staying grounded, and finding humanity and empowerment in an industry notorious for often promoting the opposite. Whether you're content in your Lulus, dying to strut your stuff, or somewhere in between, you'll appreciate Jeannie's earnest, thoughtful, and well-framed perspective on some of life's biggest questions. So thank you for joining me, Jeannie, and welcome to At Risk. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I love the name of this podcast, so it immediately spoke to me. (laughs) Oh, amazing, amazing. So I just wanted to start off, you know, in your assessment, uh, and it's such a learned assessment, you know, how disrupted has fashion been by this pandemic? Well, (laughs) incredibly. Um, And it's not so much how fashion itself has been disrupted because certainly the industry uh, has been reeling and has been scrambling to kind of reinvent itself. And, uh, and that definitely um, is in the works, but I think our attitudes have been really challenged, questioned. I think for many of us, it's been a time of great reflection about many of the things in our life that we took for granted for so long. So there's no question that uh, our attitudes toward fashion, um, I think for the most part, have changed for some of us dramatically, um, but for everybody, at least a little. I went back and reread um, your book and you wrote about after 9-11. So first of all, you were, you, you were like right in Manhattan because the show, New York Fashion Week what was happening. But I was put, I felt uh, your accounts of what happened after 9-11 to be so pertinent today. All the celebs like really showing up extra for New York Fashion Week. Do we need something like that again to like kind of reestablish fashion post-pandemic? Well, that's never going to happen again. I don't, like, not, not that I ever say, you know, never to anything, but that kind of uh, physical um, celebration, um, I'm not sure whether that's going to happen. The world has changed a little too much, although happy to hear that there will be a New York Fashion Week, a virtual uh, and a physical gathering of uh, people in uh, New York. And, and that's that's wonderful, and that'll be great to see because we're all longing for that kind of a party. Um, however, I do think that people are ready to think positively and dress up for the occasion and strut their stuff and celebrate themselves because I think at its best, fashion really is a true celebration of self and, and has been, you know, in, in all kinds of cultures since the very beginning. So I think we're going to see um, a return to dressing up, which will be very nice and very welcome. A lot of people uh, are going to welcome it. Some people, maybe not so much. I think a lot of people now are just very happy to sit there with their elasticized waistbands, (laughs) you know, or just like, you know, nothing from the waist down. And, you know, that's become a kind of way of life uh, for some people. But for others who really appreciate fashion, I think uh, we just can't wait to get out there and uh, strut it. So I think I'm hearing you saying that fashion still matters. Taking a step back, if you were speaking to someone who just didn't, you know, give two hoots about fashion, how would you explain why fashion matters? Fashion is the one thing that really differentiates us 
humans from any other creature on the planet. So uh, that matters. We're the only ones that really get to dress up or voluntarily uh, dress up. Fashion is the one creative decision that everybody gets to make every day of their lives. Fashion has incredible transformational powers. Fashion can elevate the spirit. I mean, when used correctly, fashion can also make you feel horrible about yourself mm. when you're when you're victimized by it. Uh, but I, you know, I think fashion just matters in so many ways, and it's also a, a multi-billion-dollar industry that is really important um, to keep all kinds of. Uh, people going, uh, you know, to keep all kinds of uh, societies functioning economically. Uh, but I think our attitudes towards fashion, again, you know, have to change, have already changed to some degree, and will continue to change, because fashion is not that great for the planet. Fashion has really been a big polluter. Uh, the textile industry, I think next to the oil industry, might be the biggest uh, polluter you know, on the entire planet. Um, there's been too much, much too much fashion. I, I can, you know, and I don't want to ever bite the hand that feeds me, of course, because I'm all about putting fashion out there and, you know, in a wonderful way. Um, but that being said, there was too much fashion out there, too many labels, too much hype, too many people scrambling to, to just put stuff out without really thinking about what they were putting out there. So, you know, that, all really has to change and happily is to some degree we have miles to go but fashion has really uh done uh, horrible things to the planet um and besides in some cases fashion's done horrible things to our psyches as i mentioned when not used properly fashion has made uh, us feel not good about ourselves sometimes and fashion has made us uh kind of you know judge one another in ways that have not been uh, good for the psyche you know, but I just think there's so many wonderful things about fashion. I certainly would never turn my back on it. And I think we're going to see um, a, a new age of fashion. Um, and it was time because a certain age of fashion had definitely stopped. I mean, big business kind of sucked the artistry out of fashion and killed it. It became a huge commercial enterprise. It was just too much about, you know, making a buck and of course everybody wants and needs to make a buck but when that becomes your sole uh focus it's just not good um in many different ways so hopefully we've re-examined um our, ourselves and our priorities and um what this planet you know needs right now and what's good for our souls and our our earth and uh yeah you know, I, I have a lot of hope i've met so many interesting brands in this country, especially right here in Canada. There are myriad brilliant brands that are bubbling up now by people um, who really have a kind of idealism that I had feared was lost hmm. in fashion. And that's been really nice, like young creative minds who really want to try a new way, a new way of manufacturing, a new way of creating, is certainly a new way of marketing, a new way of, of, of speaking to the consumer. And I think that's uh, very exhilarating. Okay, so much there I want to get into, but but let's start with the climate impacts, and not to get you know um, too in the trenches on the technical, but but what needs to change? Like uh, you know the I guess at least part of it has to be mm -hmm. that business model that relies too heavily on uh, high rates of consumption. Yeah, I mean uh, that for sure, and again, a lot of our wants and um, and desires are, are just basically seduced by the media and what happens. So that that's been problematic too. The way that we uh, market fashion that definitely has to change, and I think is changing to some degree. And I, I work with uh, TSC, Today's Shopping Choice, which is like, you know, formerly the Shopping Channel, you know, right. run by Rogers. And we've, we're making a very conscious effort now going forward and talking to our customer about how to shop better. That's mm. what we need to know how to shop better, how to shop more wisely, how to think not once, twice, three times, four times maybe about what 
you are going to buy and why you are going to buy it, why you might need it and what you're looking for and quality as you know, become like the last word. I mean, we really have to get back to equality because a lot of product was just being put out there for the sake of being put out there. Um, so that that's one thing. Um, but I think that, you know, I was always surprised in all my years, you know, covering the fashion scene in the trenches of the, the world's fashion capitals. I always wondered why there wasn't more innovation going on with fabrication in terms mm-hmm. of technology. Why were we still seeing the same old fabrics being put out there after, you know, years and years and years? And wasn't it time to create some kind of new um, innovative fabrication that would maybe be self-cleaning or self-repairing or or that could, you know, change because you didn't feel like wearing a little black dress that nice. You wanted a red dress. Maybe there, there was something built into the, the dress that if you, you know, exposed it to a certain kind of light, it could change color. I mean, there's just so much um, scientifically, uh, technologically, that I thought maybe could be done and experimented with. And I was, you know, eager to see that. Um, you know, I have been thrilled, as the whole fashion community, I think, has been thrilled to see what's gone on with uh, recycling and upcycling a fabric. And that's so important. I've never been more important. And that's really, really wonderful to see. And I think we're seeing more and more and more of that. But sustainability is the big conversation in fashion today. There's no question. And also, do you need to go out and buy something brand spanking new? You know, what Mm. about this circular idea of, you know, wearing something until you just don't want to wear it anymore, perhaps it doesn't suit you or serve your purposes anymore, put it out there for someone else to enjoy. Or, you know, you could sell it or you could uh, turn it into something else. I mean, there's there's just so many different ways of approaching uh, your closet than just that kind of, oh, I don't have anything to wear. I better run out and buy something new. And you just keep putting more stuff in there and jamming it full of stuff. And I think this is what's happened during the pandemic. A lot of us spending so much time at home and getting to maybe not having that much cause to go into our closet, except for, you know, Hey, let's see what's really in there. I've been so busy running around the world. I haven't really, you know, checked out, uh, you know, the racks lately and you go into your closet, you go, what am I doing with all this stuff? What do I need it for? I don't really wear it or, or finding great treasures that you've kept for sentimental reasons or, you know, or just because it was great design, you didn't want to get rid of it. So yeah, let's revive that. Let's, let's bring it back. Let's make use out of it again. So yeah, it's been a really interesting uh, journey for, uh, we fashionistas and just, you know, everybody in general, even if you, you know, weren't totally driven by fashion, I think you're going to be re-examining the way you stock your closet uh, from now on just a little bit more closely. Yeah, for sure. I I think of it as kind of, um, it's like balance, right? Balance is the thing we're all kind of chasing in, in every aspect of our life. And fashion is no different. Um, I have a friend and she was saying to me, you know, she was going to adopt this kind of uh, capsule approach to her wardrobe. She was tired of thinking about, you know, what, what, what to wear every day. And she, you know, wanted just, you know, a smaller number of items that all kind of complemented each other. And I said to her, I'm like, oh my God, I just couldn't do that. To me, that's like saying, you know, I'm going to edit, vo- edit my vocabulary for, <laughs> for efficiency mm-hmm. reasons. I'm like, I, I just, that, that, that's not me. But having said that, I do hold on to stuff for like a really long time. Like I have stuff from the nineties that I feel are just kind of timeless things and I wear them and, and I do try as you know like to minimize that like uh you know that that sort of cheap impulse uh purpose just for the now you know yeah i mean it's that you know mary Kondo coming uh into our lives and saying you know but does it spark joy and you you hold on to this old schmutta you know looking at it and thinking uh, is it really meaningful to me should i really keep it should i throw it out oh editing is always the hardest thing i mean i even find as a writer editing is the i mean in a sense, the most joyful thing too. It's like polishing yep. a stone and, you know, getting to the heart of the matter. And it's a wonderfully uh, fulfilling kind of process, but it takes a long time. And sometimes it's just so hard to do when you just love so much 
you know, of what's in there, whether it's what's in your story or, or what's in your closet. So yeah, it's hard, but it's a great discipline. And uh, when you think of, you know, it's funny, think about the, the, one of the biggest roles in fashion. Okay. You've got your fashion designers. What comes next? Fashion editors. They call them editors. It's all about editing. And we now, I think we real women or every <laughs> average woman, I don't want yeah. not any woman is average, but you know, we everyday women really must see ourselves as editors because we don't have to follow the dictates of those old fashioned fashion editors anymore. Anything goes. There's no such thing as yeah. this is in, this is out, this is right, this is wrong. I mean, if it speaks to you and you like it, do it, wear it buy it, go for it. Uh, so I think uh, it's up to us to become our own editors and look at our closets and our wardrobes as collections, almost like, you know, art, art collections. You know, if you don't yes. love it, why would you want to hang it on the wall? I mean, so just take it, you know, take it down and put something up there that you do really like. Now it might be hard to just chuck that other, you know, piece <laughs> that you're not going to hang on the wall or that you're not going to wear. Um, but, you know, that's a matter of space. I and mean, if you've got the space in your own home, uh, great. But it's also a feel-good thing to see, get, have something go out there in the world and see it on someone else's back. And, you know, maybe a friend that's always coveted, a, you know, a little number that you had. But, you know, you just, what about just calling them up one day and saying, hey, I'm giving it to you. It, that's really a good thing to sort of, you know, share the, the wealth in that way. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, you mentioned the size of the industry, like it's the fashion industry is huge. Um, and you also talked about some of the, like, great innovative things that are happening um, by, you know, created by Canadian designers. Do we, like, as a country, like, whether it's federal, provincial, or territorial governments, do we support the industry enough in this country? And that, that's the very, very big bone of contention, a, a big conversation, really, that has been going on for a long time in fashion circles, um, because... And I have really seen it all. Like I've, got, I've been around a long time, you know, and I've certainly had the luxury uh, and the privilege of talking to some of the most uh, creative, uh, productive fashion minds on the planet over the past uh, 35 years. Is fashion art? That, that's a, that is a one very interesting topic mm -hmm. of discussion that once you, you know, it, it, is there really even an answer to that? Because what is art? And, you know, it goes on and on. Yeah. If fashion is to be regarded as art, then I think maybe the federal government hasn't done enough um, or, or, or even maybe at a provincial level, not quite enough because designers can't get the kinds of grants, fashion designers get yeah. the kind of grants that artists get. Um, and their businesses haven't been supported because their businesses are seen as much more of a kind of com commercial enterprise, right. I guess. And, you know, truthfully, in my personal um, lens, I really don't think that all fashion is art. I think some of it is, but there's a lot of fashion out there that has nothing to do with art. It has to do with, you know, commerciality. Uh, people want to yeah. make things that people are going to wear and they're going to buy and they're going to strut and that's all fine. Maybe the way we put these pieces together becomes a personal art for the, the wearer. But for the person really putting it out there, I, you know, they're not, I don't really think of them as artists. So I, you know, I, ha I have a very... Um, strong passion for artists in general and I, I think they need all the help they can get and the, you know the really uh, great ones and the really passionate ones have devoted so much of their um, lives to creating a beauty for us all to enjoy really deserve um, to be able to get these grants or, or be uh, supported by the government but for fashion you know I, I'm, I'm not really sure so one thing I always did think we should have done um, and we still could do. Uh, I don't know. Maybe during these times, I, I, maybe you just can't do this anymore. But remember in the old days of CRTC used to legislate how you had to play Canadian content. Yeah. And I don't think there were a lot of Canadian musicians who made it really big internationally. I don't think they would have made it 
if they hadn't had our government telling the radio stations that a certain percentage of yeah. what you're playing has to be Canadian content. And we would have just been eaten up by those, you know, monsters south of the border and we never would have had a chance to make our voices heard. Why, oh, why didn't Canada ever legislate our retailers saying, hmm. you, you know, okay, uh, uh, I'll use, you know, the Bay or, you know, or, or yeah. whoever it was in the old days, Eaton's or yeah. Simpson's or what, you know, you have to sell a certain amount of Canadian product if you really want to do business in this country. I think that would have been really important because I saw so many great, talented Canadian designers over the years. And I feel like crying when I say this, because it's something that I've been so passionate about for so long that just never could make a go of it because mm they were too overshadowed by their American and, or European counterparts because they didn't have the marketing budgets. They just didn't have the, the money. I mean, we just don't really have the people here to support it. We've got one-tenth of the population of the United States. So how can we, you know, that's not to say you can't still have a, a, a wonderfully successful business here in Canada, but uh, it's, uh, it's a lot tougher. And I always thought Canadians in general had to scream twice as loud to make their voices heard. Uh, and and that's still the case. You know, now um, things are changing because a lot of uh, people are saying, you know, well, I don't have to go to a big retailer to sell my wares. I can do it myself. You know, I can have a direct-to-customer business. And these young designers are doing really well that way. And they're, you know, and they don't, a lot of them don't care about global domination. You know, they're just, they're happy if they can make a living doing what they love to do. And that's been really great to see. Yeah, it would seem to me, you know, like, at least one thing and, you know, would it be transformational? Probably not. But but one thing that can be done are just looking at the awards we give out. Like, like uh, so, so, so the Giller Prize is, is not a, a government funded prize, but like, it's an example that nurtures our Canadian writers, right? The Governor General, you know, performing arts awards, you know, is there room for fashion awards in, in this country? Well, we do have fashion awards, though, Jody. We, for the past seven years, we've had the CAFA Awards, um, Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards. Now, true, this is, uh, it's not as though this is like a not-for-profit, you know, this is a very savvy lady by the name of Vicki Milner, um, started this with uh, with uh, another woman, Brittany Kaczynski, who had great ties in Canada's uh, kind of financial community. And they started this wonderful event that would present awards to deserving uh, people in fashion arts. And so that's everyone from uh, designers to models to hair and makeup people to, to editors of sorts. Um, so these awards are really well regarded and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful reason to celebrate, but you're right. They're not, it's not really coming at us from, you know, like the governor general doesn't give an award for fashion art. And uh, that's something that really should be examined maybe. Absolutely. And especially now when you think of, you know, some of the most interesting things going on in fashion to me are, um, are things in the artisanal arena. Um, we're really getting back to a certain level of craftsmanship and there's an appreciation for these unique, uh, one-of-a-kind things, these things that aren't mass-produced, where there's a real uh, beautiful history of, of craftsmanship um, in each garment. When you think of some of the Indigenous designers that we have in this country that don't, you know, and now happily there is an Indigenous Fashion Week and hopefully that'll gain steam and we'll be able to... Um, celebrate that a whole lot more but there are a lot of uh, designers who who really can bring so much into the fashion realm that makes fashion truly artistic and that would really uh give people a reason to appreciate it from a whole other standpoint you know aside from plain old wearability yeah so I, I love your point about focusing on sort of the technological aspects and, and, you know, that there's this opportunity to unlock sustainability or greater sustainability in fashion. So just, you know, kind of it, pu putting the crystal ball in front of you, Jeannie, you know, thinking about the future of fashion. I mean, when we think about, you know, the, the, the great 
fashion houses. They're led by the sometimes huge personalities, visionaries. Sometimes the egos are legendary. Are, you know, are, are some, uh, are, are we ever going to see their replacement by like artificial intelligence or machine learning? Like, like, will, will that happen? No, I, I, I would hope not because I think it's all about humanity at the end of the day or who cares. Um, but this whole idea of, you know, man and the machine and the way artists are now working, um, with uh, everything from, um, you know, like 3D printing to, uh, just, using technology to really advance their ideas and to explore new territory. Um, but just, you know, the machines running amok, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Like, you know, the, you know, the robots taking over uh, somehow. Mm, uh, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but I am surprised still that we haven't, I, we talk a lot about like wearable technology and certainly, you know, everything from like an Apple watch, I mean, or a Fitbit or, you know, that's wearable technology, but. I, I'd like to see more of it. I thought by this point in time, we would have seen more of it. I went to a fashion show about, oh boy, it might've been like 15 or 20 years ago by a brilliant avant-garde uh, designer um, based in the UK, Hussein Chalayan of Turkish descent. And his shows was sponsored by uh, Swarovski crystals. Mm. And he did the most, oh, he always did amazing shows. I mean, this is back in the day when shows, fashion shows were like stories. I mean, these were, you went to these right. events and you were transported, really magical. And one season he explored technology um, and the wearability of that. And he had, before our eyes, he had these dresses that were somehow electronically rigged up that you could control via remote control. So one minute it would be the gorgeous long evening gown and with a flick of a switch before your very eyes it transformed itself into a mini dress you know? <laughs> so there are the it, it could happen and back then and like I said I, don't, I forget the exact year of this but in the early you know 2000s I thought wow th this is definitely the future of fashion and this is where it's going to go and we're going to be able to like why can't we wear the same dress in the summer that we wear in the winter if we just have some kind of technology that could you know i don't know blast cold air and you know into the garment and, uh, and or you know look at the perfume industry like why should we have to you know spend all this money on perfume although perfume is such an important uh, part of a big design house's uh, income <laughs> and business but you know why couldn't clothes just come scented pre-scented and there or why couldn't clothes you know, self-clean or why couldn't clothes just as we talked about before it changed color and so that i still think you know th there's a lot of room there for that and when i you know sit down sometimes and just start dreaming about the future i, I often do dream about that you know but it all still has to be done with a degree of exquisite beauty and there still is something magical and so appealing about something that is crafted by the human hand and mm -hmm. that's it just the human hand you know as seen by the human eye without all that technology and technology is such a you know the, the, the genie's out of the bottle it's not like it's ever going to go away now and yeah. we we need to embrace it but uh, sometimes i like to see things that have nothing to do with technology yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, there's, you know, laser cutting and these types of things. And you can do beautiful things with laser cutting, but it can also just be a pure efficiency play. And, <laughs> and I can't help it. I, I, I will always be drawn to, you know, that handmade piece. And, it, and it's, it's for the reason you say, I just, I, I, I'm drawn to the humanity. Like, like I, I still want some humanity in, in my clothing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, and what about even during this uh, period of this pandemic period with so many of us, you know, we're just looking for different things to do. Crafting became, you know, bigger yeah. than ever. And so many of us started, I started knitting scarves for all my friends and family. I found great joy in that. It was a great exercise in mindfulness too and realizing every stitch along the way, you know, you were responsible for that. And you think about the person that is inspiring you to make the garment. So there's just so much love that goes into a creation of that uh, nature. So I think a lot of us uh, rediscovered the joy of, of making our own garments. 
Now, uh, I try not to be nostalgic, but I have to say one of the things I miss, you know, uh, because, I, you know, I had this idea. I have a teenage daughter and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go get her some like great fashion magazines and, you know, and she can cut stuff out and, you know, pin stuff that she likes and, you know, or even if she just takes a photo of it, you know, and uh, uh, for, for Instagram or whatever. But, you know, the magazines are so tiny now <laughs> and there's just not that many of them. So speaking of, you know, technology disrupting, what's your take uh, sort of on the state of style journalism and, and mm. you know, could it disappear like like that you know that the ad revenue the 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 trying to get eyeballs oh. on the fashion is such a part of it well again wow that's such a big question because yes paper magazines which i love like who doesn't like to get under the covers with a, a magazine that you can hold i mean that whole tactile especially field. now like who wants to look at another screen <laughs> yeah exactly however I still think, you know, uh, it's gone that way. And I, yeah. I don't think that's going to go back. I think hopefully there will always be that, um, you know, that ephemera in our lives that we love paper things that we can hold on to and save in scrapbooks. And and, and I, I don't want to ever see that go away. But the digital magazine is definitely here to stay. And that's been doing wonderfully well. And a lot of the advertising has gone over there, obviously, for obvious reasons. And it's just a hell of a lot cheaper to to do and and it, it you can change it on a dime and you know there's just a lot about it that does make sense the whole when you talk about fashion journalism um, this whole movement um the democratization of fashion that you know i think uh, fashion television the show that i hosted for 27 years had a lot to do with that because we ended up teaching a lot of people about fashion and and all of a sudden fashion wasn't just for the snobby elite fashion was for everybody. And why not, you know, come on in, let's see this thing and let's look at it, enjoy it, talk about it. And, you know, what makes, you know, someone a better fashion critic than someone else? I mean, everyone had an opinion. I mean, when that young blogger Tavi Gevinson came along uh, back in, oh, I guess maybe it was like 20, into oh, no, 2010 uh yeah just a couple of years before the demise of fashion television she uh, you know uh, brought this whole new awareness that you know you could be a kid growing up in your suburban bedroom and have a very valid opinion about fashion it might not be as studied as a great fashion journalist like Susie Menkes but still you know, yeah. it was it was valid um so it it, de it depends you know what what kind of fashion journalism you're looking for. Um, I think it's sad that a lot of uh, seasoned writers who really have a great frame of reference, because personally, I think that's what makes um, an opinion or a point of view um, more um, interesting, or it gives it more gravitas when you've had a huge frame of reference. And some of these journalists, the great fashion journalists, really do do and did have a great frame of reference. A lot of the kids that were just hopping on the scene were just, you know, they saw it, they liked it, they didn't like it. It was there one minute, it was not there the next. They didn't, and they weren't, you know, necessarily um, beautifully skilled <laughs> writers. Right. And the way they wrote about fashion, you know, wasn't that intriguing to me anyway. But, you know, I don't know. There's a whole generation. I mean, I think you have to ask your daughter. But, you know, it's funny. We do want, and I've got two daughters myself who, you know, I guess I did want them in some ways to see the world the way I saw it. On the other hand, I was always really encouraging them to blaze their own trails. And now these were girls that grew up in the the fashion television kind of world where you know they, they were sitting in the front row of a Christian Lacroix couture show in Paris at the age of 12 or, you know, meeting Valentino backstage at the age of 14 or, you know, whoa, like they really <laughs> got to see it all. Yeah. Wow. They, they, not that they don't love style and they both have sensational senses of style, but they didn't, they don't consume fashion um, the way, our generation did at all. Yeah. One of them actually lives off grid in a log cabin in the Yukon. Hmm. Uh, Joey, Joey O'Neill, she's a musician and she has a great sense of style, but will only wear vintage uh, clothes. And, you know, that's, and my other daughter, uh, Becky O'Neill, who is a great uh, artist herself. She's an animator and a filmmaker and 
lives on the farm and she's a farmer, she's an organic farmer and she's very conscious of this whole, you know, circular thing and fashion. And she will only wear, you know, um, used clothing. Like she doesn't right. want anything brand spanking new. There's no appeal to that. So it, it, it's so interesting to me that it's all about moving forward and, and progress. And we, we can turn our kids on to, you know, the way we saw the world or what we love, but they're going to take it and do something else with it. And I, I, we can only applaud that because that's what progress is all about. I wanted to ask you about this idea of embracing change because, you know, you're, you're, you're in an industry and, and, and like you've made it, like you, you're, you're successful and you're still standing, right? Uh, you, you, you have written about some of the people who kind of got chewed up and spat out by, by fashion, but, but, but you're standing, you're a whole person, you're, you're, you're a leader for, for so many people. Um, how, what, how do you handle all of that change? How do you escape the allure of nostalgia, the comfort of complacency, but not lose yourself? Well, a lot of it has to do with one's upbringing, I think. And I always uh, used to say, you know, my feet are firmly planted on the ground despite my six-inch stilettos. You know, that was something (laughs) I was always proud of. I was always very much... um, a real person in an unreal world. That, that's the way I considered myself. I was in the fashion world, but not of the fashion world. And that was something that was very important. But when I say it's because of the way I was brought up, my parents were Holocaust survivors. They came to Canada with absolutely nothing. And I saw the way they... Uh, really rose from the ashes and the way they picked up the pieces of their shattered lives and went on to build a a future for themselves, you know, really finding the light in all that darkness. And that was incredibly inspiring to me. So I knew that, uh, you know, they were survivors. I'd come from survivor stock. I was Mm. going to be a survivor. I also felt that because their lives were kind of nipped in the bud in their youth. Their youth was just totally, you know, decimated. They didn't get to really enjoy what one would normally enjoy as a a young teenager because of the the hardships. I thought I had to not just have a good life or a great life. I owed it to them to have a fantastic life, a spectacular life. And so I was just ready to go for it, to pull out all the stops, to do whatever was necessary to follow my dreams. And, and, you know, my dad's motto, what got them through the war was him saying, don't be afraid and never give up. So that fearlessness and tenacity has really stuck with me all through my life. And no matter what, you know, like, no, and no matter how fabulous a life I did have, certainly very glamorous on the surface, I definitely went through my share of hardships because I mean, life is just like that. And, you know, my marriage uh, blew up and that was devastating for me, but, you know, I I had to keep going because fashion never stopped. I mean, and I I had worked so hard to build this, you know, so-called fabulous career for myself. I just had to get out there and, you know, there was another season and another season and I just always had to keep on going. So that, um, that, that's one thing, but, you know, my priorities, I think were always, um, pretty straight. I mean, I saw so many of these um, incredible people who, you know, who were like, you know, riding, you know, the comet to the, you know, the next stratosphere and their boy, oh boy, their careers were so fabulous and great. And then within a couple of seasons, they were like, nobody knew about them again. It mm. didn't matter because the only constant in fashion and in life is change. Yeah. So because I saw that, I, I've always kind of prepared myself um, too. And, you know, my mother, <laughs> that's another thing. My mother's <clears throat> point of view was she never wanted us to be hurt by anything. She always said, you know, life is full of disappointments. So expect the worst and you'll never be disappointed. I mean, it's not a very <laughs> fun way to grow up, but I always kind of have this thing, you know, uh, in the back of my mind, like, you know, this, this whole thing could blow up, you know, in a second, it could be all over, no matter how fabulous I think it is right now. So that having that philosophy too, really helped keep me, you know, prepared. I was always kind of prepared for a disaster. So, you know, okay, plan A doesn't work out, there's always going to be plan B. And I also knew that fame and, and fortune, 
were not the things that made the world go round. Those certainly would not be the things that would fill my heart. You know, for right. me, it was about people. I mean, that's why I got into fashion in the first place, because it's all about people. It's all about the way people dress and see themselves and uh, express themselves. So um, I think, as, you know, if you've got those kinds of values and you real, you know, I, I think you'll be okay. I think it's people that get carried away um, that really end up falling pretty hard. Yeah. You know, I really appreciated that, um, you know, uh, that, that balance between, um, and this is honestly, this is like the focus of the podcast. It's like, okay, so we have to think about the things that threaten what we love, what we value, what's important to us, uh, our progress. Um, but how do you do that and also stay focused on those positive things and keep moving forward and still chase those things and find joy during the journey. Yeah. How do you, how do you bring all those together? <laughs> what, what's the answer, Jeannie Becker? Well, I love what and the meaning of life is. So, like, what do I know? I'm just lucky uh, to be here. Actually. I think you got to have faith. You know, you gotta, you gotta believe in something greater than yourself. The most wonderful thing about getting older, for me anyway, I, I don't know if this is true you know, for other people, it would be worth investigating. I haven't talked to a, a lot of people about this, but is the erosion of ego. Hmm. I have found the older I get, the, the less seriously I take myself, um, which is a great blessing. <laughs> and, um, and the less I care about you know, what other people think, um, I just want to make myself happy. And the less, you know, these statusy things that we sort of, you know, clamor after sometimes at certain points in our lives, you know, the, the less they matter. Um, I think, you know, the, and certainly the less we compare ourselves to others, the happier we're going to yes. be. Number one, number one, number one. That's a very important thing. Um, and that's why, you know, why Instagram has been such a, a social evil. I mean, it's it's great when it's great and it's horrid when it's horrid. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this thing of, you know, look at someone else's life and, oh, my life doesn't seem like that much fun. And, you know, we're always comparing ourselves and we're always judging everybody. You know, we've got to really stop doing that. So that's, that's something that's brought me um, a, a, a kind of inner peace. But I've always been dancing as fast as I can. And I am not going to slow down anytime soon. Excellent. <laughs> Heard it here first. Maybe not first, but I'll, I'll just keep saying that forever. Because I think um, it gives me a lot of joy to feel that I'm remaining relevant. And uh, that, to me, you know, is what else can you ask for? You know, as long as you feel that you're contributing something somewhere um, and, and you're, you're keeping up with stuff and you're embracing what's going on and you're not living, you know, in, in the past in some hole somewhere. I think that's really important. You know, that I, I, I have a wonderful partner that uh, I fell madly in love with. I met him when I was 63 years old. We just celebrate our sixth anniversary together. Awesome. So it took me a long time to find the one or the right one. Um, but uh, the night we met uh, at the McMichael Art Gallery, it was a moonlight gala, very romantic uh, kind of night. The stars had just aligned and he walked up to me from across the room and he goes, you know, hi, you know, my name's Ian McInnes. I just want to say that I've always admired you for having kept yourself so relevant. And I thought, what a great thing for a woman to hear a man say, or for anyone <laughs> maybe to hear anyone say. But I just thought, okay, this is the guy that gets it. He's going to understand why I've been so passionate and dedicated to my career and why it's always going to be important for me to be out there and to, and to be doing and, and creating and and being inspired and trying to inspire others. So uh, yeah, relevance is uh, very important. I just had a, a, my own podcast, Beyond Style Matters, um, just did an interview with Norma Kamali, the legendary American designer and always a very forward thinker. She's great. Uh, she's turning uh, 76 this month. And she talked a lot about that, about relevance and how uh, that really is key to, uh, to happiness. Well, I think there's more truth than poetry to that for, for sure. So to wrap up our conversation, I just want to pick up on something you, you, you just referenced there. What is, you know, 
is there a harmonious relationship between style and aging? I think some people think they're, 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 they're always at war. But, but I read what, what you had to say at the back of The Future of Aging, that, that book produced by uh, SE Health. And just, you know, thinking about that, that, that relationship, you know, what, what, what is the hormone, harmonious path? If you look at fashion as a tool for expression, for self-expression, um, which I think at its best it is, and you want to use it, and not only a, a expression to others, but even ex- expression to yourself. So when you look in the mirror, if you're wearing the right thing and you feel good about yourself, that means it's a successful statement that you've done a good job dressing yourself, and that's great, and that's the way you should go out into the world. Um, but I think I, I, the, I've always believed that the older we get, the more ourselves we become, um, ideally. Um, so that the truer you can be to yourself, because a lot of the BS kind of falls by the wayside. And you've got, you, you have this realization, or at least I do, I'm sure a lot of people in my age group do, that time is of the essence, you know. Like, we don't have all day here. We don't have, you know, we don't have decades and decades and decades of, you know, time is very limited and it's very precious. So everything that you do, you really want to make it matter and make it count. And if there is a way of putting yourself out there to the world, you know, it it just makes me feel so good to even like, you know, wear lipstick every day or to, to, you know, this whole pandemic, I've had a lot of people, you know, saying, oh, so what were you dressing like, you know, running around the house in sweatsuits? It's like, no, I wasn't. I always, it wasn't like I was wearing a little black dress around the house, but I always <laughs> wanted to wear something that, that really felt good, that, that empowered me. So I never wanted to cringe when I, I passed a mirror. I check myself out and, you know, and, oh, we can, the nail salons in Ontario are still closed as are, you know, the hair salons. And I, you know, my gray roots are coming in. I went out there and learned how to dye my hair myself you know, and with a little help from my fabulous boyfriend. <laughs> nice about it. Um, you know, that was important for me just to do it for myself. And a, as I said, with a, a lot of this stuff that, you know, um, we, we start maybe as we get older, um, really caring more about ourselves or respecting ourselves more. I think we should anyway. You know, I I don't think it's a good thing to let yourself go the way I see some people kind of do. And I mean, if they're happy about it, okay, that's great. I don't want to be like that. I always want my kids to look at me and and feel, wow, mom, you look great. Like, you know, like, oh, okay, that schleppy person that just sort of forgot about themselves <laughs> because, you know, er- everybody else in their life was too important. You know, I don't know about that. I still uh, think looking out for number one uh, in, in that style department is, uh, is, is pretty important. And I think we've got some great older style icons uh, to look up to now that uh, really inspire us. No, absolutely. And I think, you know... Um there's a funny relationship between style and confidence. So on the one hand, you know, you look at, you know, some of the great designers, the models, you know, the strut on the catwalk, and you think, oh, it's all a confidence game. But I've, I've always felt that there's equally, it's about not taking yourself too seriously either. It's about finding that self-expression and not... And not placing it all in the hands of the crowd, just enjoying it for for its own sake, and not not requiring it to somehow make your 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 stock price go up, like your personal brand price go up. Just you know, finding that balance between yeah, I'm confident, but also it's okay. Like if this isn't perfect either, if I'm finding joy from it, like that's good too. <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things that people have asked me sometimes, and it's, it's kind of a common question people ask, uh, you know, what would you have told your younger self? You know, if you could, you know, that old chestnut of a question. And I always think that I probably would have uh, told myself not to take myself as seriously, to be kinder to myself, to be easier on myself, not to be that hard on myself. So I think that's something that a lot of us do. And especially, you know, as, as we're growing up and trying to find ourselves in this whole sea of, of craziness out there and, and trying to find our own ground and trying to establish, you know, what we stand for and what, 
we believe in, trying to really build our own personal brands. I think we can be very hard on ourselves. And I think, uh, yeah, being a little gentler, taking, uh, taking ourselves a little less seriously, that's great advice. Jeannie Becker, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being just a, a total trailblazer, for being so open and candid about the ups and the downs, and for sharing this time with me. It's been an absolute delight and thrill. Jody, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation. You're a delight. Thank you so much. This is really, really fun. Oh, thank you. Hello, I'm David Mosscrop. Welcome to Open to Debate. For over a year now, I've been sitting down with guests from the world of academia, journalism, politics, and activism to bring you single-issue current affairs discussions to help make sense of today's politics and policy in Canada and around the world. You and I are friends. We are longtime friends. So the dynamic might be a little different. We might make jokes. A little more vicious, I was thinking. <laughs> Retaining this left-right distinction where one group's ideas, you know, the ideology is correct and your ideas, are, your ideology is wrong, that's exactly how we continue to talk over a big divide and don't get cohesive action on this problem. I think we need to leave our dogma at the door and then we may be able to sort of force our politicians to do something. I think it gets much more difficult to ask for help the 10th time or the 12th time or yes. the 20th time, especially for the people like you or in worse situations like that really cannot leave their house or do not even have the money or the means to carry out various things. But really what I want is action. Mm. I want people to be engaged. I don't want people to be either panicked or hopeful. I want people to understand that this crisis requires them to do something. And this is a feminist thing, right? Like giving yourself permission to stop with the punishing thoughts of productivity is the radical act of care right now. I think it always has been in capitalism. And I think now we are confronting just how powerful that can be in terms of our mental health. At its core, this podcast is meant to be a space for discussions that are essential to good policy and a healthy democracy. Open to Debate returns this fall. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>